0: You're listening to Tech Talk Central. This is Vicky Colavou for Tech Talk Central and I'm here at the AT&T booth and I have with me Richard Finn from AT&T, he's lead product ma- uh, marketing manager, right, and he's interested in IOT and that's what we're going to be talking about. its it, I know it's heavy stuff, guys, it's about sensors, but IOT doesn't work by itself. Something happens behind it, and he's going to explain a few things and um, talk about a new starter kit that uh, will be in the market very soon. First of all, thank you.
1: Mm-hmm. Thank you for having
0: me. Okay, so uh, tell us what you do it with the company and around IOP.
1: Right, so I'm a product marketing manager with our IOT data plans, which is, um, we have some things that are self-service, all you need is a credit card, you go on the website and you buy uh, data, it's prepaid data over good over a year or two years and and you have a bucket of data say a gig to soon we'll have um, larger buckets of uh, now it goes up to five soon it'll go up to maybe 100 or 200 gig Uh, that's prepaid and good for a year or two Mm -hmm. right across uh, right now thousand sims or fewer but uh, we're going to lift that limit some but suffice to say is you could have a large deployment of sims and with IoT applications, they use very little data for each individual device. Mm-hmm. So you, by sharing that data across a, a wide pool, you know you're able to control costs, and you can have things out there, and not really worry about how much data it's using, or, or that it's, um, or have to pay some kind of big monthly fee. You do pay in our case right now; it's a dollar per month. But um, pretty soon, you know that may change as well. So, what's the whole bit of it is just make something very simple. You want simple data. You don't want to worry about you know. Uh, various different plans and trying to figure it all out. It's a you know, very simple uh, plans to come. On top of that, I help with the uh, IoT starter kits on the developer side. So my colleague, Richard Richmond, manages the um, uh, putting the program together on the starter kit, our global starter kit, and uh, working with uh, Intel on the Liquid platform and doing, working with our partners and working on the logistics.
0: So, it, you, AT&T is a carrier, so you provide the infrastructure behind it, the cloud, this is all on the cloud, obviously, and you collaborate with different companies because the starter kit is Avnet, if, I'm, if I'm not mistaken, so tell us about it.
1: Right, so Avnet is actually, um, they've done some really amazing things. So our original starter kit, for instance, it was an idea in March of 2016, and by July of 2016, we launched hardware and software. And at the beginning of March, we haven't even, haven't even identified Avnet as the partner. And so they were able to very quickly design and manufacture the board. And then on top of that, it uses a, a WNC uh, module that has an Altair chipset inside it. And we're continuing to work with Avnet on the Global Starter Kit, right? So again, they've, they've designed the board and we work with WNC. And this time we're using a global module. It mm-hmm. has uh, 10 LTE bands with some 3G fallback. It's going to be uh, aimed at... Latin America, Europe, and Pacific Rim, and work across what we call Rome Zone 1. So Avnet's done a lot on the development of that and also working with us to develop a service. So we have our M2X and Flow service. Mm -hmm. So for the Global Starter Kit, uh, developers will actually be buying that service to M2X, which is data in the cloud from the device. And then they're able to, to work with it directly in Flow and M2X in the cloud, or send it off to their own system, or into AWS, or Azure, or IBM Bluemix. Mm-hmm. Um, and those are also partners we work with, and making sure that our systems integrate with theirs. So, the, And with the Global Starter Kit, developers will they'll basically pay for data points in M2X and Flow, and for those, they won't worry about the data plan at all. Okay, it will be completely uh, abstracted away for them and embedded into the service.
0: Okay, so give me a few prices. How much do the two sets retail at? And uh, then I, you were you was talking about who would be using it. You identify three major groups. So just tell me about that.
1: Certainly. <coughs> so the starter kit, the uh, the current starter kit, the domestic only starter kit is $99 the new one is going to be 139 the global version and the differences are that that global version, you know like i said it it adds that global functionality and it adds gps built into the module the current one that's a the sensor you would buy you would buy a fifteen dollar sensor so for this one that's already built in Mm -hmm. and as well as it has what's called host mode which means you can program the module directly as opposed to having to use an external device now you still can use an external device like a raspberry pi to control it but uh, the primary Method to use it would be in host mode. So that would be 139 for that. And then we'll also uh, link to, because we're working with Intel, one of our other partners, on their liquid platform, and that'll actually retail for 149 mm-hmm. uh, all in US dollars. Okay,
0: so what?
1: And then. You do the yes, and so for the markets, um, so I, I just sliced up the market in three different ways, right? The, the primary one that we look at are enterprise developers who are companies building an application or building a product. And actually, of our existing starter kits, about half of the people who buy them are at existing enterprise customers for AT&T. And they're, they're looking, they're, they have groups within their organizations looking at building out new services, new products, or ways to control costs or something, so um, we can talk some about the IoT use cases that are pretty popular, but um, those are the kind of things we're looking at. The second segment are startups, so these are folks who are building a new product. Um, and their whole company is built around creating a new idea, and they're very much concerned about doing things like a minimum viable product and controlling their costs. So the starter kit allows them to, and our IoT data plans, allow them to spend a little bit of money before they invest a lot of money. So they're able to test out their ideas and their their products before uh, having big, large rollouts. Now with the global starter kit, they'll be able to use the same hardware all the way through pilot to production, to uh, well, sorry, p- prototype, pilot, production, right? The third group are, are makers and hobbyists, mm-hmm. and we don't leave those group out because uh, on for one hand, some of the some of those folks, those enterprise developers, well, when they go home, and uh, you know they want to do their own projects, they they consider themselves the makers. I was at Maker Fair and I met a lot of guys who work for big big companies and don't do anything with IoT, but at home they do, yeah. right? And then they write tutorials yeah. online and they write articles and blog posts and they inform the startups and the enterprise developers, and they do some really interesting creative stuff. Uh, in fact, so we had one guy with the starter kit. He was a civil engineer working for a town in, in Holland, Michigan, uh, a, a town called Holland, Michigan. And he took the starter kit, and uh, And we have this on our website, you'll see, but he took the starter kit and he made a snow melt monitor for the city. So rather than rolling a truck and they would take out, to go out and do readings or look at the conditions themselves, sure he, yeah. he used, in, in uh, two and a half weeks, he um, learned Flow and M2X, took the starter kit, programmed it, put it out there as a proof of concept. It worked so well they got a few more, and it became part of their city infrastructure. And they're already moving into their phase two and three. Uh, and and we talked to them with, uh, you know, with our smart cities group, for looking at that use case and how to take some more smart city stuff to smaller towns because some of the stuff we're doing now we're piloting with large cities but it could benefit small cities as well
0: obviously, so uh, how many SIM cards are involved in each package and what kind of data comes just by buying it?
1: Well with our existing domestic kit it comes with a SIM that's good for six months 300 megs of data or 300 SMS and the SMS, by the way, it's, it doesn't have a phone number, so you, you, you go through a system called Control Center, so there's an API to send and receive SMS to the device. However, the economics work out, typically you would want to use data for most applications. SMS is primarily used to wake it up. So anyway, 300 megs, 300 SMS, six months. And then after that, that SIM is retired. Our, our uh, IoT data plans are renewable data plans, so I think I talked about this, you get a bucket. You get a bucket of data, it's good for 12 months, right? You pay $1 a month per SIM, you, you buy the data up front. With the Global Starter Kit, you will not worry about megabytes or months or any of that. You will pay for data points. Uh-huh. And and the connectivity and all that is, is embedded in the product and, and it's not something the developers would, would uh, be involved with.
0: Okay, so let's go to the enterprise use cases that you mentioned before. I'm really interested to see what kind of things they're thinking about and which sectors.
1: Certainly. So. There's a lot of things around, uh, the big ones are gonna be asset tracking, right, and uh, remote monitoring, and things around smart cities. So, uh, and you also have a lot of connected car, connected assets. So for instance, um, we have folks who use container tracking, where they're they're uh, tracking the cargo, what's the condition inside the container, Mm -hmm. temperature and humidity, Mm -hmm. right, where is it, GPS location, and they use that as an added service for their customers, mm-hmm. right? So they're able to say, okay, you have a, you have a sensitive cargo, okay? Well, we offer the service for you. This is a revenue stream they didn't get before, but now they're getting because they do have customers that maybe have certain cargo. For instance, some fruits you want to not just know about the temperatures and, uh, and the humidity, but also <laughs> uh, gas levels, right? Mm-hmm. And monitor that to say, are these is the fruit getting too ripe? Yep. Um, and do I am I going to have to order more before uh, this arrives, right?" Um, also, you can do things like track the door opening and closing on the cargo and then the, uh, some devices, uh, cargo view will, uh, in container view rather, can actually look at the amount of cargo in the, in the uh, container. Mm-hmm. So you could say, hey, the, um, the door opened and the amount of cargo in the container went down by 5% or 10%. Mm-hmm. Where was it when that happened? Who was controlling that cargo? Because um, we know there are, there are consumer goods companies that are making stuff in, in Asia that may lose half of their merchandise by the time it arrives at a store in the U.S. So this allows them to know when and where that shrinkage is happening and to to take care of that hole in their logistics, right? Mm -hmm. Other companies have things around, say, tank monitoring Mm -hmm. or um, similar use cases are are receptacle monitoring. So you might have a recycle bin or a trash can. With a tank, you might care if it's too low or too high. So for instance, uh, say um, a company might do drilling, okay? You typically, with uh, with a drill site, there's a tank at the drill site that contains the gas or oil that's coming out of, out of the ground for the, from the extraction. They wanna know where the level is of that tank so they know when to send a truck to go get that material out of there, right? And some sites fill up at different rates. On the other side, uh, you have companies that um, pro- provide, say, fuel oil right, or other types of, of uh, materials into a tank, and they also want to know, when is that tank getting low and, and how do I do it? So we, have a, we actually have a product called iTank, and there are other people who make their own versions of this type of, of use case where the, um, they actually forecast not just where the level is now, but at what rate will it be, at what rate is it going so that I know that, okay, this, co- this consumer actually uses about 5% a day. So I need to roll a truck faster than if they use, say, 1% a day or 1% a week, right? So with those use cases though, but in the, in the with those, with that, with, sorry, let me back up a little bit. What that enables them to do is control costs. Because previously what they would do is go around in a circuit. They would check every tank. Go to one, then two, then three, then four, then five. And a lot of times a given uh, location didn't need to be serviced. But they went and checked it anyway because they didn't know for sure. Now, with, with remote monitoring and with forecasting, they know exactly when to roll a truck to go service that location, and they save on costs.
0: Okay, so as you were talking, I was thinking, I was wondering, do all these entrepreneurs, these people behind these businesses, understand how IELTS, how IoT can change their business? Do you have a, a training, an education program, something that will you knock on doors of your clients and say, hey, this is how you can actually improve your business. Because sometimes I'm thinking, is it easy for them to think of the possible opportunities? This is a fast changing um, technology and uh, new stuff. And I, I really, you know, they might be so concentrated on their job and paying their uh, employers and all the other things. But I think there's a need for training. Does AT&T do something like that? I
1: wouldn't say training per se. We do have a lot of articles and materials out there. You know, uh, we have... Um a lot of blogs come out about these type of things and, and there's things, articles that come out that we point to. A big program that we do have are things like our foundries. So our, our IoT Foundry in Plano, Texas uh, will host companies all the time. And I've been in a lot of these meetings where where companies will come up and they'll, they'll they, they know they want to do something with IoT, but they don't really know what's possible, right? And, and they do a tour around the foundry and they start to get ideas, right? And and we also found sometimes they'll go out and they'll buy a Raspberry Pi, right? They'll go buy some other device, and they'll stick it. They'll stick it on their device, and they'll try to make it work. And that's one one of the reasons behind the starter kits, because now instead of instead of just relying on, on Wi-Fi or something like that, we're giving them the ability to use our connectivity from the get-go with some of their own experiments to try to learn how IoT affects their business. Right.
0: So. Um, Last question: Any idea have you seen that uh, from smart cities? Anything you know in a, on a regional level that you saw? Apart from you did mention one already with the snow. Any other case that you saw? I'm asking because it affects everybody's lives. You know, even if we're not entrepreneurs, we're just living in our city. And then you see suddenly there's a solution that came out of um, a very creative engineer. Anything else you've noticed and you've seen this? Oh, this was a smart idea.
1: I'm trying to think. I mean, smart cities are so much. I mean, we we laugh at the hackathons. There's always some some team or more multiple teams that comes up with some kind of smart parking idea, right? Sure. That's a very common yeah. thing. In fact, if you do any more hackathons, no more smart parking. But <laughs> um, the uh, I'm trying to think of other good innovative things. There, there, there's a lot of stuff around just knowing, right? When yeah. it comes down to to IoT, is it's letting you see into an area where you weren't seeing before and getting data. right getting time. data from from those types of things so um that's why there's there's you know well like i think about for instance insurance companies right like they come to, they say okay i'm in i'm in a services business i don't have products yeah. right i don't physically do anything how does iot affect me right mm-hmm. well it turns out that um they insure cargo they insure workers right? well when you do something, like I said, if you want to control shrinkage and you want to control uh, and understand what's happening to that cargo, well, now they get a better idea of what their risk is when they insure that cargo, right? Okay. Or if they, if the, if the workers in a given plant are wearing wearables, okay, well, now I know where my workers are, I know what their conditions are, I know if something maybe happened to a worker, and now they're starting to control the risk with regards to workers in a plant or in a construction site, yeah. right? So even though they're not a physical there's nothing physical about what they're doing, they're, they're, they still are affected by IoT.
0: Okay, I think the opportunities are vast, so we'll have to wrap it up. Thank you for being with us. Oh, thanks for having me. So this was Vicky Koulovouf for Tech Talk Central. We'll be back, bye for now. You're listening to Tech Talk Central.